Fire fans, and welcome back to the Feed the Fire podcast, where we are going to recap the Chicago Fire's victory over Minnesota United. A great 2-1 result for this Fire team who finds themselves above the playoff line for the first time in a long time. I want to welcome you all back, our viewers on YouTube, our listeners on Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Those local, those national, and those international, thanks for tuning in. As you know, we are sponsored by Skira Icelandic Spring Water, and you're going to hear from our featured guest, John Donovan, who's brought to you by Skira Icelandic Spring Water each and every week with his takes on all things from this match. I hope everyone had a wonderful Easter holiday. For my Orthodox brethren, a blessed Palm Sunday, and looking forward to celebrating Christ's resurrection with you all next week. Now, let's get into our match review. As I mentioned, the Fire defeat Minnesota United April 8th at Soldier Field 2-1. to one. And honestly, I was not too hopeful about this game. Minnesota's a very good defensive team. The Fire have had their offensive struggles. I predicted a 1-1 draw. I'm happy to be wrong in this case. But let me start off with a quote from our very own John Donovan. He texted me after this game was over saying the team went from an empty, untalented bench to one that is loaded and ready for the rest of the season. This could be fun. And yes, John, the match certainly was something we hadn't seen for a while from this Chicago Fire team. Let's hope the trend continues, and it wasn't just an Easter miracle. And I'm glad you pointed out the bench play in this one, John. We're going to look at some of the subs that Ezra made uh, in the second half, and we'll see how, when you have a healthy Fire squad, all of a sudden, that depth isn't as big of a problem as it usually has been for the Fire. But first, overall, this was clearly the Chicago Fire's best performance of the season. Generally, they controlled the game for long stretches, they were threatening on the attack, and they were able to hold their defensive shape against the Minnesota team who likes to counterattack. We saw it over the last several games with the Fire. Usually, they have their defenders struggling to get into good positioning on a counterattack, backpedaling and allowing the opposing attackers to get into dangerous areas, make that extra pass, or just rifle a shot from 20 yards out or so. Uh, and Chris Brady hasn't been able to handle all of those as good as he's been on the season so far. But none of those collapses for the fire this week. Tactically, the fire got into dangerous goal-scoring areas as opposed to last week when we saw that area just outside at the edge of the 18-yard box where most goals come from or most goal-creating actions come from. The Fire had no touches in that area. In this case, they played a little bit more centrally. They got some more opportunities in that area. And as we'll see on Kai Kamara's first goal, they had five guys in the box. Haven't seen that from the Fire until this past match. Also, they weren't just whipping and crosses. Their their ball progressions, their forward passing, their dribbling uh, was a lot more effective in this match whether that's a product of Minnesota United sitting back or a product of the Fire's better play. Hey, maybe a little of both. Only time will tell as the season goes on, but we did see the improvement this week. Also, formationally, Ezra made a bit of a switch. He made some second-half adjustments. It was a little bit of a risk going to five in the back to hold on to the lead, especially when the Fire were doing so well in possession, but 
he reacted to Minnesota United substitutions in the second half, and it ended up working out. We're going to touch on that uh, in a little bit because he brings in, uh, I'm sorry, after the Ariaga goal, Minnesota makes three substitutions. Dotson comes in, Songbin comes in, and Rosales comes in. They take out their defensive players. They bring in their attacking players. They are going for the draw after that one, or if not the win. And eight minutes later, we see Ezra bring in Wyatt Omsberg and Jonathan Dean in for Arnaud Suquet and Myron Haile Selassie. He pulled off his two attacking players, an attacking mid, and Suquet, who is that wing back who pushes forward for Omsberg, another center back, Jonathan Dean, who's been excellent as a defender thus far for the fire switches to a five-man back line four midfielders and then a lone striker up top uh, and Kutsias gets his appearance up there so Ezra reacts and adjusts to the opposing team something that if he's done it we haven't noticed it or when we've noticed it it was the wrong reaction but in this case it worked like I said a little risky going defensive uh, when you had been controlling the game but it was the right reaction to a Minnesota team. So credit to the coaching staff. You got to give them their kudos when they make the right call. If we're going to criticize them when they're bad, we're going to praise them when they're good. And here we are. Now, as we do every week, let's take a look at the goals. And in this one, it was Kai Kamara with the brace. Two first half goals are just what the fire needed to secure the three points in this match. I'm still a little hesitant that, that Kai Kamara should be the guy scoring goals for the fire. Like, your 38-year-old striker you signed in the offseason is, is your number one offensive threat. I think there still is a little bit of a roster build that the Fire need to address. But they recognize that Kai has been the most dangerous attacker, gave him the start. He gets his two goals, continues to climb up the MLS all-time scoring list. I think he's at 141 right now, um, approaching Landon Donovan uh, for that number two spot. I doubt he'll hit Wondolowski's number, uh, but who knows? Kai's dipping into the fountain of youth, right? In the 24th minute, Kai gets the first one. It was kind of a lucky deflection off the defender on a weak shot, redirects it right inside the near post. But where what I liked about this goal was that it was a team goal. They work the ball up, up the left side. Mueller tries to get across in. It gets knocked out. Mueller saves it. Hustle play by Mueller just to, to save the ball. It was kind of like an NBA player jumping over the end line and throwing the ball back into play. Mueller keeps it from going over the end line and just launches one back in. Kai gets ahead on it, bounces around. The Fires have five guys in the box. They're bringing offensive pressure. We've usually only seen two, maybe three guys getting into the attack, but they were able to sustain the pressure, keep the ball, not just in the attacking third, but in Minnesota's 18-yard box. And the ball eventually takes a bounce out to Kai Kamara, who's in the perfect position, unmarked on the far side. Yeah, kind of a weak left-footed shot, but it gets the deflection, it goes in. And when you've scored as many goals as Kai has, and when you're a fire team that's struggling to find offense, you're, you're going to take it no questions asked. Now the next one, 36th minute, this was the ice cream goal. And I say that because my youth coach said, anyone scores on a header, I'm taking the team out for ice cream after the game. And so this was the ice cream goal for me. A beautiful, beautiful ball by Arnaud Suquet, who comes up the right, gets to a, just past the halfway line, I think. Minnesota gave him plenty of space. For a team that was sitting in and defending, uh, I think still at this point, 
they were giving him a lot of space and he took full advantage of that progresses the ball with his dribble sees Kai kind of on the far post, ready to make that angled run toward the near post and just puts it up on a platter. Could not have asked for a better cross in from Sukik. And Kai is able to diving header, redirect the ball, gets it far post past Ain St. Clair to nothing fire at this point. This is exactly what the fire envisioned when they signed Kai and when they signed Suket. These are the kind of plays that they wanted, and hopefully this is the first of many to come. Now for Minnesota, Kevin Ariaga does pull one back, a 57th minute free kick, and it was a rocket of a free kick. He blasted this one, and it knuckled just enough, had just enough of a change of direction where Chris Brady reads it wrong, hits him right in the hands, and kind of bounces up, and into the net. Great shot by Ariaga. Should have been saved. This was Brady's one mistake on the night, and unfortunately, it cost us a goal. As Fire fans, we're going to have to learn to live with a young goalkeeper, learning to make those reads and making these mistakes. But read the postgame quotes from Chris Brady. Does an excellent job of keeping a very mature attitude about it. You know, you got to move on. Short memory. Uh, they got the win, and in this case, thankfully, it didn't come back to haunt the fire. Also, we saw a different, a little bit attitude from the Chicago Fire players, and Ezra Hendrickson even mentioned it in his postgame comments. There was no oh crap moment from the fire here, where it's like, oh, here we go again. Sure, that's what a lot of the fan base was saying, and rightly so, especially on social media. Twitter was going nuts with the here we go again comments, but the team did not say here we go again. They re reacted to the goal well. They reacted to Ezra's substitutions and change in formation. And they held on, despite a lot of pressure from Minnesota towards the end of that game, they held on and got the victory. Again, to kind of sum up, this was the best match of the season the Fire have played. Better individual play, better formations and tactics, better adjustments. And the Fire, like I led with, are sitting in sixth place in the Eastern Conference standings with a game in hand. Not terrible. A couple other game notes. Great to see Wyatt Omsberg getting back into the game. Also getting back into the referee's books with a hard foul yellow card. Georges Kutsius makes his first appearance for the Chicago Fire. He had about 16 plus minutes uh, there in the second half. Played competently. Not enough time or not enough touches to really say that he, uh, you know, he was great or he was terrible or anything like that. But when he came in, he was that lone striker up top. The fire had switched to a 5-4-1 defensive shape to preserve the lead. So he's just there as an outlet guy. Just instead of the fire just bombing the ball and then letting Minnesota immediately get the ball back and reestablish and try a new offensive possession, he's the outlet guy. You try to get the ball to him. Maybe he can hold it up a little bit, relieve the pressure, maybe get, get a lucky counterattack opportunity. Um, so he wasn't asked to do too much in this game. But what he did do, he was competent, I think. Next match for the Chicago Fire, they are hosting Philadelphia on April 15th. This will be a big game for the Fire to see if they can break down this Philly defense. And while I'm not a huge fan of the unbalanced schedule that MLS has put out, Fire already played Philly once this season. They, they, they get them, you know, four weeks later. Uh, but this could be a good time for the Chicago Fire to play the Philadelphia Union. The Union are smack dab in the middle of their CONCACAF Champions League campaign. They already have a 1-0 win uh, against Atlas uh, from Liga MX, and they are playing Atlas again 
on April 12th, just three days before the Chicago Fire match. We saw Philly rotate their squad in their last MLS match against Cincinnati, a 1-0 loss. That's going to have some Eastern Conference repercussions. Uh, so maybe they will also be rotating their squad for this Fire game, and the Fire hopefully will take advantage of that. But we will give you that preview in a future episode, so make sure you're following on Spotify, subscribing on YouTube, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any thoughts on that match, email me, glasshousesoccer at gmail.com, and we're on social media at glasshousesoccer. Now, for some extra coverage and content and all things Chicago Fire, we are going to turn it over now for our John Donovan segment brought to you by Skira Icelandic Spring Water. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you find us on a podcast on Spotify so you can hear all of John's coverage. It's a special podcast segment. And again, it's brought to you by Skira Icelandic Spring Water. Now, Skira comes from a spring in a government-protected nature preserve in Iceland with naturally low mineral content. And when I was in Iceland, let me tell you, phenomenal water. Their, their tap water is as good as our purified bottled water. That's how good this Icelandic water is. Skira is not your average water. Clearly, pun intended, it's one of the best. So, John, take it away. Nick, John Donovan here talking about the Chicago Fire and the MLS. What a game this weekend uh, against Minnesota. It was the Kai Kamara show. Kai scored two goals. It was a 2-1 game. Um, Kai is has changed the squad. When you say the word striker, in my mind, I think of Kai Kamara. He is always threatening. He's always around the goal. And at 38 years old, from Sierra Leone, Africa, he can outrun out-jump, and out-think most defensive players in this league. He's just a joy to watch, and he's changed the mode of Chicago soccer. Suddenly, everybody is on their game. This probably was the best game I've seen the Fire play in a very long time. Everybody, um, other than Miguel Navarro, played a good game, played a good game. It, uh, it was a pleasure to watch. Now, from the back, Brady, our Naperville uh, man, goalie, 19 years old. I hope he stays in the U.S. for quite a while. He's he's tall, he's athletic, he's strong. Obviously, he's passionate for this game. He let one in that was just a blooper. It was a knuckleball that he tried to punch out, and it went over his head. A very tough one to handle. Uh, I'm sure he would handle it 99 out of 100 times he would get that ball right. But it happened to Gaga last year, and... Uh, Hopefully, Brady sticks around a lot longer than Gaga. You go to the defense, Tehran, unbelievable. I mean, you just can't beat this guy. Minnesota had a great center forward, big, strong, but nothing to Tehran. Tehran caught him up on breakaways. I mean, he is just everywhere. And he's not getting involved in all of these scrums and, and stupid plays. C.J. Brown has gotten into his head. Chijos had a good game. I think he's an outstanding player. He's a great teacher back there. I think a lot of the guys, the defensive guys, look at to him as, as sort of the leader, maybe even the squad leader. Miguel Navarro, I don't know, especially now with Dean on the bench. I would prefer seeing Dean out there. I think he plays a lot saner game than Navarro, but we will have to see. Now, Suquet had the best game he's had as a, a member of this squad. He was the one that crossed the ball to Kamara on his second goal. That was a thing of beauty. Kamara broke about 15, maybe 13 yards 
in front of the net and Suquet hit him on across a diving header that went into the corner of the goal, lower corner of the goal, which was beautiful. I'm sure that's a highlight score for Kamara in his, I think, 140 goals. He just played a beautiful, a beautiful game. Um, you go into the, the, the midfield, Herbers and Jimenez. Literally, this was the best game I've seen Jimenez play in the whole entire time he's been with the Chicago Fire. He was a DP. I think he's a GAM player now. But he played real well, very clever with the ball, and his passes seemed to be spot on. Herbers, you know, I've called him the super sub. I still believe that, but he had a real strong game. And this is a guy that came off a hip injury in an operation last year. Very, very talented guy. Um, it's going to be interesting what what uh, Ezra does. He's got, I would predict that Freddie Navarro will be coming back maybe next game. And I know they're paying him a lot of money. So you got to believe Herbers is going to hit the bench on that one. Um, not that it's the proper thing to break the chemistry of a running squad, but uh, I think that will be done. That'll be a move that will be made. Now, Gutierrez, oh gosh, I hope he stays in that center midfield position. He makes the forward line work. His passes are spot on. Everybody, uh, he leads people well. He perceives their movement well. He almost got himself a goal. I was re I'd love to see him break the the scoring drought he's on, but you know his assists are are exceptional. He makes this squad go. And again, Kamara, what do you say about Kamara as a center forward? 38 years old and still bleeding soccer. He's a striker, striker. Next year, I mean, you, you've got a real problem coming into probably next game, and it is Shakiri, uh, our DP $8.2 million player. What do you do with him? Um, do you play him and take out Gutierrez or take out Salina or Selassie? That I would consider. I don't think that would hurt the squad that much. In fact, I think it would help the squad. But if Ezra goes and tries to put him back into center mid, it will not be good. It'll break that squad's chemistry, and it'll really show a blazing error for, for Ezra. Um, I think the best thing that they could do, um, they own a team over in Switzerland, Lugano. Send him back to Lugano. He, he really has done uh, not a good job. I think... He could be the biggest bust of a DP expense player that we've ever had in this in this league. Definitely for the fire, he was he's been nothing but disappointing. Um, and really, next week they got Torres probably coming back off that hamstring injury. What do you do with Torres? He did not play wing well. He 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 literally looked like he was lost out there. And I don't know, twenty minutes into the first game, he went off with a hamstring. So as a midfielder, as a defensive midfielder. So there's another bad signing, probably. We don't have a spot for him right now. The American players have outplayed him. So again, where do you put him? Now on the good side, Olmsberg came on the field and he showed what made him so tough for Tehran to replace last year. Olmsberg is smart, big, tall, fast, and rough. Uh, a winger was coming down the left side, right side of the field, and he just about pushed him off the field. Just get out of here. Um, he's he's definitely going to be in the mix next year. I'd love to see a center midfield of Tehran and Olmsberg. Don't know whether it's going to happen. Soccer is so flicky. Um, you could have a player today, and he's in playing in Turkey tomorrow. So um, it thank the Lord Joe Mansueto has the Dota 
keep these guys in town if he if it's necessary. Um, it'll be interesting with Gutierrez. I, I have this feeling Gutierrez is going to be a really good MLS center mid, which is very good for Chicago. I mean, you got a center mid, you've got like a good quarterback of the squad. So a lot of things happening. Great weekend, good scoring, exciting game. Minnesota did come back. Uh, it was 2-1 and they were putting pressure at the end, but Brady really had uh, some outstanding saves to finish up the game. Next week is Philadelphia, and they aren't playing that well. So um, they need a win as much as the Chicago team needs a win. So it's going to be a real tough game next week. So I will see you, Nick. See you, Mike. Hope everything's going well with everybody. I'll see you next week. Thank you all for listening to our segment from John Donovan. John, thank you for the follow-up content. Yeah, it's exciting to see the fire playing this well. And absolutely, when they have, uh, when you have your starters healthy, your bench looks that much better, and you can make these late game adjustments. Um, I didn't like how Ezra said it after uh, their last match against DC that he didn't have offensive options to go for. When I clearly think he did, and you you do need to kind of put some guys maybe out of position if you're going to make those. So while last week I was very critical, this week. He made the right moves. You had Dean coming off the bench, filling filling the need there, uh, and Olmsberg being able to come in and give you that flexibility to adjust to a defensive back line, uh, I, I think is great. And yes, and if Shakiri and Jairo Torres can come in and start the match and continue Chicago's improved play, well, then you, you've just got a couple other wingers too you can bring in for late game situations if you're chasing a goal. So uh, I love all of that. And I love that the fire are starting to get some some more options off the bench when the squad is healthy and when they're a little bit more experienced. Now, as we always do, let's take a quick look at the statistics of the match, kind of compare it to the eye test, what we saw in the game, uh, and see if the stats kind of match it, or maybe if there's some statistic that jumps out where we think the fire can improve on. Now, in this game, it was 52% possession in favor of the fire. And again, these stats are according to MLSsoccer.com. Uh, so while the fire did control large parts of that game, most of that first half, uh, Minnesota did establish themselves and maintain a good chunk of possession late in the game, which kind of evened out some of these possession numbers. The fire had 14 shots, only two on goal. Fortunately, those are the two that went in. Um, so they are not getting really high quality shots and the expected goals. I'm going to touch on that in a minute. Uh, those do reflect it. So 14 shots, but only two on goal. Uh, Mueller is, as much as I love the guy, as much as I love is what he brings, he's that second, third runner when he needs to be, he's not afraid to shoot. He's just got to get a little bit more accurate. He is definitely been putting his fair share, more than his fair share maybe, of shots over the crossbar. So we just got to get him to put a few more on frame and the fire could probably get a couple more goals from out of him in short order. Defensively, four block shots. So the fire were getting in some good positions there and Chris Brady only had to make five saves. So uh, good defensive effort, keeping that shape, keeping Minnesota outside of the dangerous areas. Here's what I love. 526 passes at an 84% passing accuracy percentage. That is by far, 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 by far, the Chicago Fire's best passing game, best passing possession game of the season 
On the flip side, though, Minnesota did complete 488 passes at a 78% rate, or they had 488 total passes completed at a 78% rate. So Minnesota did establish themselves in certain phases of the game and certain times of the game, but the fire, they, they looked like a team that was in control and these numbers back it up. What really helped their passing numbers, 13 crosses. That's it. They were not just launching Mueller and Salase into the corner, or as we've seen in the past when Kai Kamara comes in in the second half, getting him into the channels, getting him in deep, and seeing if he can whip a cross in or maybe take a defender one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, they actually played to their strengths, through their strengths, which is Brian Gutierrez coming up the middle, Salase coming up the wing, working working the ball around. Uh, it was it was fantastic movement and spacing from the fire. Go look at some of the heat maps. I put a tweet out with uh, a Twitter account that does some of these auto-generated heat maps, and you'll see that the fire uh, and their passing charts show that they were much more centrally located while attacking instead of just, you know, that awkward U-shape that goes from, like, corner flag to the center circle and back to the other corner flag and nothing really threatening in the box. And speaking of threatening in the box, a lot of the Chicago Fire shots were inside the box. So yeah, work on your accuracy, but they're getting at least into some of those dangerous areas. Obviously, you're always going to have those one or two Gaston Jimenez 25-yard prayers uh, that just go wide or high. Uh, but you know what? I guess that keeps the defense honest if we're looking at it from a glass-half-full approach. And after a win, I certainly will. Uh, additionally, the Fire had 60 duels won to Minnesota's 59, uh, 13 tackles won to Minnesota's 15, 25 clearances, most of those coming later on in the game, so I'm not going to worry about that too much. Nine fouls, one yellow card, no red card. So a disciplined Chicago Fire team on top of it. Looking at the expected goals, Chicago only had a .7 expected goal over 14 shots, two of which on target. So you are not getting good high percentage opportunities from the fire. But in this case, they went in. The two went in. Kai's combined to goals, the XG on those was a 0 .08. So the fire only had 0.7 expected goals for the match. The two goals they scored were only a 0 .08. So Kai made the most of those difficult opportunities Getting the deflection on the first goal certainly helps, but the fire, even though their offense looks to have improved, it starts with the passing and the possession, but they need to work on that final product, and that's something we're going to continue to see. Hopefully it develops a little more with Kutsias coming in, learning a little bit of the league, uh, playing with his teammates. Hopefully it improves a little more when Shakiri and Torres come back from injury. Hopefully it improves a little more when... Uh, Federico Navarro comes back from injury. He can be one of your starting D mids and then Herbers can come off the bench maybe for a little bit of offensive push. If you need it in the second half, all these things combined, hopefully we will see within the next three to four matches, the fire improving, not just their XG, not just improving, uh, where they're possessing key passes, things of that nature, but improving their goal scoring and their win record. Now, quickly around the league, there were some uh, big headlines in the Western Conference. Seattle with another convincing win, 3-0 over St. Louis. I wonder if St. Louis is starting to so show some chinks in their armor here. We'll have to keep an eye on that. After five wins to start the season, back-to-back -back losses. But the big news out West, too, Denny Bowanga for LAFC, 
hat trick over Austin. I said, keep an eye on this game, Western Conference rematch, and LAFC did not disappoint. You even had Carlos Vela, I think before this match, saying, I'm not playing to my level. I need to be better. Imagine LAFC with a 3-0 win and Vela still improving. You're going to be tough to beat again. Now, looking at the Eastern Conference, I said, hey, we got the Eastern Conference final rematch, Cincinnati-Philly, and it was it was a, a slugfest there, but since he comes out on top, one nothing. Also, a couple other teams to keep an eye on in the Eastern Conference. Columbus Crew keep rolling, 2 nothing over D.C. Just makes me wish the fire would have snagged those three points from United when they were here. Also, New England is starting to look really, really good. When you've got Bobby Wood, who leaves Germany, I forget what division he was by the time he left, second or third division, comes over, doesn't work out at RSL for him, but then the Revs bring him in for some attacking depth. Vrioni, their, their DP striker, also scoring, and then you have Hill and Gustavo Bo doing what they do best. Like a 2 nothing win, uh, I'm sorry, a 4 nothing win for New England over Montreal. Now Montreal is definitely not a contender in the Eastern Conference, at least not the way they're playing right now, but still the Revs looked really, really good. Well, that's it for this episode, our recap of the Fires' victory over Minnesota. Stay tuned as we will be bringing you our preview against their next, next opponent, the Philadelphia Union, in a few days. Be sure to follow on Spotify, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to watch us over on YouTube, get to see my beautiful face and match it with these beautiful pipes here. Sorry, that's just uh, not meant to be serious at all. Uh, you can go ahead and subscribe at Glasshouse Soccer on YouTube. Enjoy the Open Cup matches. Enjoy the Champions League matches. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day.